welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, why don't we close our eyes and I'm going to pray as we come around the word today. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that wherever two or more are gathered, your word says that you are in our midst, Father, and this is about you. Jesus is our message, Father. I pray, Father, that your voice would be the loudest voice in this room, that your Holy Spirit, Father, would speak through your words, Father, and you would speak to every heart where they're at for their situation and their future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, what we're doing here is a physical thing in many ways because we're physically standing here, but it's actually very spiritual. When God's word is spoken, that there is supernatural things happening. There is another dimension, a spiritual dimension that we're not always aware of in our normal everyday life unless we stop. Now, we started a new series last week, but Pastor Aston didn't know it because I just She encouraged me last week with her message. She did a great message on on reading the Bible and spending time in God's Word and sitting at that couch and having your coffee. And and she spoke about the shepherd in Psalm 23. And that's a psalm, that's a a book in the Bible, and it, it talks about that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He causes me to um, become before the still waters. And my soul felt soothed when I was listening to it. And And so we're starting a series from last Sunday called Soul Food, Soul Food. So I'm going to do part two of Soul Food today. We're going to do it for a few weeks. I really just kind of feel there's people here and, you you know, maybe you've had a busy season and a lot going on and sometimes we have to have time away with Jesus or we have to have time to reflect and and that we need to get our spirits and our souls right, you know, and, and come before God because... A great athlete needs to eat the right food and drink the right drinks and their Gatorade and, and, and everything to, to embark on whatever their, their, their skill is or whatever they're trying to achieve. And, and we need soul food in our life to, to go to that next season of, of what God has. So this is part two of soul food. And I'm going to re- probably focus, you'd say this message is more about relationship, more about relationship with God. And I'm going to continue the whole shepherd theme with this because we're in Shepherdton. And I just figured, <laughs> well, anyway, um, Jesus is the shepherd of Shepherdton. So, yeah, so I'm going to follow the shepherd theme. But I just want to encourage you that, that God's heart's for you. Whatever you're going through, the shepherd's heart is for you. He's on your side. Yet he wants you to be the best you you can be. He's not here to squash you from, from fulfilling what you are. He created you, and he, he, he's the one that wants to see you function in that thing that you were created for, the purpose that he's placed on your life. And, and even in a season of pruning, and maybe you feel it like you're going through a season of pruning, and somebody said to me this week this statement, and it really got my attention, and, and I've been thinking about it a bit. Um, your, your summer body is made in winter. Your summer body, and they weren't saying to me personally, I'm not going to be offended. Your summer body is made in winter. And, and I'm not saying that because we don't have enough food for today. And this is not a message to kind of get you to eat less at lunchtime. You know, you, you can eat as much as you want. We're going to pray over it so it doesn't have calories. And, you know, you, you know start the, the, the summer body program tomorrow, okay? So we're going to have fun today. But your summer body is made in winter, and it's so true. And, and I think of, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of an expert with fruit trees. Um, it's a personal joke, but no, I'm not. But, but, 
this being a fruit industry type culture here in Shepparton, but you know, the, the, the grapevines or, or, the, or the, the trees, they get pruned back in, in whatever season is for that tree, and sometimes it's in winter, and if it's not done, then you're not going to have your harvest in summer. You're not going to have your harvest in the juice season. And it's a bit of the same thing. You, you look at this tree or, or plant or whatever in, in summer and you see all the flowers on it, all the fruit or, and the branches and the leaves and everything. But you may not have seen what took, happened in winter when it was pruned back and it didn't look that great. So maybe things aren't going great for you right now. Maybe it's a pruning season, but it's part of the process for that harvest, for that next stage of your life. You need that fertilizer. Sometimes we get a little bit of fertilizer thrown at it. It smells not very nice, does it, fertilizer? You know, it's not really kind of attractive fertilizer, but the plant needs fertilizer to grow. So if you're taking notes today, I've got quite a few, and I'm, gonna, I'm kind of looking at this message as a bit of a, a smorgasbord, okay, of soul food. Each dot point may speak to you more than another dot point that I'm going to cover today. And we're going to be looking at the book of John, which is a Gospel of John, it's in the New Testament, and John was one of the young disciples of Jesus. And it's interesting, John's, that John calls himself basically the disciple that Jesus loved the most. It's kind of a bit funny, isn't it? I'm John, I'm the one that Jesus loved the most. You know, I always find that a bit funny. No one else kind of says he's the one that Jesus loved the most, but John says that. So John wrote this gospel, and he's talking about the words of Jesus here, and we're going to be looking at uh, John 10, 1 to 18. And it's where God, where Jesus is liking himself to a shepherd. And so my first point today is the shepherd calls you by name. The shepherd calls you by name. And I'm going to read John 10 to 3, if we could put that up, please. It says, to him, the gatekeeper opens. He's talking about the shepherd. To the, ga- to the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. The shepherd calls his sheep by name and leads them out. In other words, when the shepherd speaks, we need to respond. When the shepherd calls you, you need to respond. But the first thing the shepherd does is he calls you by name. See, the shepherd calls you by name. The shepherd gives you an identity. The shepherd calls you by name. See, Jesus created you. The Father created you. And he calls you by name because he gives identity. He knows who you are. He doesn't give you an identity and just says, you're this, Bill. And he makes one up. He actually calls what you are. He identifies what you were created as. And he lets you know who you are, even when you don't even know who you are. He identifies you. See, out of identification, what am I talking about? Purpose. Purpose. The first step is, who am I? God says, this is who you are. He helps you identify who I am. Because out of who you are becomes your function, becomes your purpose, your destiny. Your purpose comes from the name. I look at it like this, a spoon and a fork. Similar kind of utensils for similar kind of functions. One's named a spoon. One's named a fork to identify that they're different. A spoon looks different. Similar in some ways, but you can get a spoon and you can kind of cut things a bit, can't you? Some foods you can kind of, your mashed potato, you can kind of cut it. Maybe some really soft pulled pork, you can use your spoon. So if you're a spoon, you can do things beyond what your true purpose is. You can function in jobs and, and you can function in roles and, and you can do it. 
it's, it's, you're not locked into this one thing. You're, you're capable of doing stuff over here and you're capable of doing stuff over there. But the spoon's core purpose is, is really for something like soup, you know, to scoop the soup up. If you're a fork, you can, you can kind of pick the food up really easy, a lot better than a spoon. But I don't want my fork and a bowl of soup. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be a long, hungry night when you've got your bowl of soup and you've got your fork. And, and you, you, but, when you, but a fork can do many things. I could throw a fork at a child across the room who's making noise, and it could be a weapon. I don't recommend it. it I don't, I'm, I'm just giving you some examples. So you, we can use the spoon as a weapon as well. But that's not its true purpose. And see, God calls you by name to identify what purpose is over your life? Because he's about purpose. What, what were you created for? There's a scripture, and I guess that's what growth track's about. Growth track has got a component which is spiritual gifting. And that spiritual gifting is to help you identify what, what are some of the core strengths of your life. And we think we know, we don't know. We all, if you think you know everything about yourself, then you're more blind than you realize. Do you know what I mean? We all have blind spots, no matter how old we are. There's stuff about ourselves that our partner may know or our kids or someone we work with. And, and, and growth tracks about help you discover some of those things about yourself that may, you may not even be aware of. In the book of Jeremiah, which is a book in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah 1 to 5, God is talking to this young man, Jeremiah. This is young, really young. And he says to him these words, I knew you before you were formed within your mother's womb. Before you were born, I sanctified you. That sanctified sounds spiritual. It simply means set you apart. I, I earmarked you, I bookmarked you for something special. I've, I've got a special purpose in particular for you, Jeremiah. And I've appointed you as my spokesman to the world. In other words, as a prophet to the world. The interesting thing is that, that he's saying, before your body was even an embryo in the womb of your mother, before you even came into the very possible physical existence, I knew you. I identified you. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. And that's what God says to you today. Before you were born in your mother's womb, he knew of you. He designed you. He loved you. He thought about you. He cherished you. He mapped out a plan for you. He thought about your eyes. He thought about your heart, your spirit, your character, who you would become. What, what, what would you be? He thought about you. To think that the God of the heavens and the earth and the galaxies and the, the black holes and the supernovas and eternity took a moment or time to think about you, to ponder upon who you could be and what you are. That is just, um, that shows you the heart of God. When my daughters were born, I started from right in the beginning. I, call, I would call them the princesses of heaven. You're a princess of heaven. You're a princess of heaven. You know, you're a princess of heaven. Even now, I'll text them, hey, princess of heaven, because I did not want this world telling them who they were. I did not want the teacher telling them who they were. I did not want their classmates telling them who they were. I wanted the Father to tell them who they were. I wanted the Word of God to tell them who they are. How do you know who you are? We've got to do as Pastor Aston said, read the Bible, read the Word, read the manual, spend time with God. Who, how can you know what he's saying if you're not spending time with him? See, when I was growing up, I had a fairly low self-esteem. And then I, at 18, I, I met Jesus, the shepherd. And I started to read his word and spend time with him. 
And I, I read in the Bible that he calls us kings and prince, princesses, some of you, kings and priests of the Most High God. The Bible says that you're a king, that you're a part of a royal kingdom. So you're a part of a royal nation. The Bible tells us that you are, as a believer, an ambassador of another nation representing its culture, its ways, its language, its symbols. That's who you were. But there was a disconnect for me. I thought, but I'm not. I'm just, you know, working as a plumber at the time. I'm just working as a trader. I don't feel like I'm part of a royal family. I look at my parents like, no, I'm not from a royal family. You know, I, I, you know, I, I didn't feel it. But the Bible said it. So you ask me why I have these rings. People say, why do you have these rings? Well, it started with, wait a minute, how can I align myself with what the Word said? So I ended up getting a ring. Started wearing it. I was in sales, so I'm going to wear a ring. Goes with it. At first, it felt a bit weird, like, oh, I shouldn't wear this ring. I don't deserve to wear this ring. This is a bit weird, you know, not in the jewelry. But I started wearing it because I wanted a reminder to look down. So why am I wearing this ring? I'm wearing this ring because the Word, the King of kings says to me that I'm a royal priesthood, that I'm a holy nation, that I'm a person that belongs to him, that my father is a king and I'm a prince in his kingdom. I started wearing these rings because I was wanted to become what the word said. And that what it was for me. When the shepherd calls us, we may not understand. But does the sheep go, um, why do you want me to go that way? Why, shepherd, are you calling me to this pasture? Does the sheep tell you that? I'm not moving until you tell me why. No, the sheep just follows the shepherd's voice. And that's what we need to do. I don't understand why. When Pastor Chris called me up, and I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what shepherd was. I didn't know anything. And said, hey, we're looking for a new senior pastor. Are you interested? I could have gone, no, straight away. I was like, okay, maybe it's the voice of the shepherd. Maybe it's the voice of the father. Maybe it is a calling of God. I don't know. I will pursue the voice. I will let the voice lead me and see where it goes. My second point today, for those taking notes, is to hear the shepherd's voice. You need to be positioned close to the shepherd. You can't hear the voice of the shepherd when he's in the far field on the other side of the hill and the mountain, and you're way, way, way over here in left field, saying, I can't hear the voice of God. No, you can't hear the voice of God or the voice of the shepherd. You're too far away. You've got to position yourself close to the shepherd. It says in John 10, 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. How do we know his voice? We've got to spend time with him. Bible says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. We do as Pastor Aston said, and we, we get his word and we read it. It's not just reading words. It's about learning what the Bible says about God, his nature. What he says about you, the Bible tells you. We pray. We just pray. We talk to him. How do you get to know someone? You have a coffee and you chat. I can't hear God. Have you been praying? No. Have you read your Bible? No. I go to church once every two months. It's like you have to get around God's people. Being here today, you're, you're close to the voice of the Father because you're hearing his words being spoken. That's being close to God, coming to church each week, connect group. Is about being close to God. It's about being with God's people. The Bible says the church is the body of Christ. Now, we need to be part of that. Another thing I've noticed, okay, just say you've got a deaf sheep. Just say one of the sheep's deaf. He can't hear the voice of the shepherd. How does he know which way to go? He follows the other sheep, the other sheep. So maybe you're going through something today, and you don't have the answer, and, and you're, confused. you're not sure, you know. 
But you know, being in a connect group with a small group of guys or girls or whatever it is, or a bike group, and you chat with people, maybe somebody else can show you the way to go because they heard the voice of the shepherd already and you won't get left behind. So I encourage you to be a part. Don't be isolated. Isolated sheep get taken by wolves. Third point today. The food your soul needs is in Jesus. It is in him. Like, I've been out Friday night for Thai with some wonderful people. It was a great night. My soul was fed. had good talking, fun, good food. You know, there's lots of good things for our soul out there. But the best thing for your soul is the soul food that comes through knowing God and walking with him. That's the only thing that can satisfy that hole that's in every human being that we want to be filled it says in John 10 to 9, this is Jesus speaking, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You see, only through Jesus. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's through Christ that we have salvation. It's through Christ that we have answers. It's through Christ that our soul can be fed. Sometimes we can think, oh, I don't want to become a Christian. I think there'll be people who don't want to become Christians because I don't want to dress like a Christian. Do you know what I mean? I don't, that was part of my thing. At first, oh, I've got to look like one of them. I've got to have my hair like one of them. I've got to, you know what I mean? Christians shouldn't look like anything in particular. We should just look like normal people in society. We shouldn't dress a certain way, have a certain hair. I mean, you know, we've got to be appropriate. But, but what am I saying? I'm saying that there's a freedom it says the freedom to go in and out of different pastures. There, there is not a restriction in knowing Jesus. There is a freedom, freedom in knowing him. There's different pastures. You know, some sheep might like buffalo grass. I don't even know what sheep have, but they're buffalo grass. And, and other sheep, you like the blue cooch or, or whatever there is there. You know, there's different pastures for different people here. There's different ways that he feeds you and, and talks to you and walks with you. He's, he's not a corporate God of just generics. He's an individual God of deep friendship for your soul. There is a friendship and a, a deepness in knowing him. Your summer body is made in winter. It's made in the time of just spending with him. Next point. This one's a big one. Your enemy wants to steal your food. That's my next point. Your enemy wants to steal your food. Don't steal people's food. When I'm having my dinner and sometimes I get out for dinner, my wife wants to taste mine. Oh, it bugs me. It's like if you wanted that dish, you should have ordered it yourself. It's my precious. Urgh. You know, if you've got a little dog and they've got food and they're really nice and fluffy, and when they're eating food and you go up to touch it, it's scary stuff. The little beautiful puppy becomes a ferocious wolf if you touch its food. Don't steal people's food. The enemy wants to steal your food. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you'd have life and life more abundantly. This is Jesus speaking. The shepherd's come for you to have a full life. He's come not to restrict your life. He's come to cause your life to go out like a flower that blossoms. He's, he's come here for you to be the biggest, the best that he created you to be. Not to restrict you, not to hem you in, but the enemy has come to destroy. The enemy, the devil, forces of darkness, whatever the enemy is for your life, they've come to thaw you. They've come to stop you. They've come to stop you glorifying your Father in heaven. They come with voices. You can't do that. You're never going to go to uni. You can't sing. You're not good enough. Stop thinking that way. Who do you think you are? 
The Father says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Father says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There's a difference between the two voices. The shepherd's voice is encouraging you onward and upward. The enemy's voice is trying to thaw you and pull you down. You know, the wolf is sitting out from the pack of, uh, the wolf sitting away from the sheep watching. We could look at the wolf and go, I'm not sure what his intention is. Let's just give him a bit of time. You know, he might be, he might be a nice wolf. Like, he might be there to protect the sheep. We, and we'll sit back and, and watch the wolf and see, what is the wolf going to do? We don't even know what its intention is. The good shepherd knows that a wolf is a wolf. The wolf has no more intent, uh, no other option, but he wants to kill the sheep. He wants to steal the sheep. He wants to harm the sheep. A good shepherd takes the wolf out, not wondering what the intention is, because it's a wolf. That's its name. That's its identity. You know, I... Sorry, I've got another scripture here. I want to read this one. This is a good one. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know what I'm doing. This is God speaking. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. See, that's the food of the shepherd, to give you a hope. You're not going to be alone. See, the shepherd doesn't say, um, go over that field as good food, and you go alone. The shepherd calls you and he walks and the sheep follow the shepherd. The shepherd goes before you so you're not going alone. The shepherd shows you the way. You're not in this alone. You're not abandoned. He has a future and a hope for you. Enemy wants to trap you in drugs, trap you in temptation, trap you on this earth. The father, the shepherd wants to liberate you. He wants you to soar. He wants you to fly. Next point. The shepherd gave his life so you could eat. The shepherd lays down his life. John 10, 11. This is, these words, that, the scriptures are what, actually the words of Jesus, what I've been reading. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A good, a, a good shepherd is like David in the Bible. He said, I fought the bear, I fought the lion. He risked his life for the sheep. A shepherd risks their life for the sheep. And the great analogy, or not analogy, the great fact of the Bible, and, is, and the analogy is, is like a sacrifice of a sheep. But, but Jesus was crucified. He was the shepherd. The only way for humanity to be right with God, the only way that the curse of death and decay that came into this world could be stopped was for him, God himself, to come to earth and lay down his life. As, as a great shepherd, he laid his life down so you as the sheep could enter in to green pastures, that you could enter into a life of freedom, a life of salvation, a life of eternity. You were created as an eternal being. And death entered this world through Adam and Eve. Our bodies decay, our bodies get old, our bodies get frail, we all die. The flower fades, the flower falls. It was never meant to be. Flower was supposed to blossom and be forever. We were born to live forever. The shepherd came, laid down his life, that you could be an eternal being, you would live forever. In heaven, there's always a price to be paid for freedom. We look at Gallipoli. We look at World War One and Two, and, and world have many wars in the world. Men and women laid down their lives so that you had the freedom to be in church today. The forefathers of the Christian church laid down their lives in Rome and were torched in the streets as lights for for Caesar, so that you had freedom today. The people that bought this land and first founded this church. 
they gave up personal thing, necessities. They, they gave up their finances and their money and their time and their energies and their resources. People gave so that you could be in this pasture today, that you could be in freedom, you can eat, your soul can be fed. Others paid that price. Are we willing to pay a price for the next generation to eat and be full and have soul food? There's a great quote in the movie Gladiator by Russell Crowe. It's not his quote, obviously. And it says this, brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What the forefathers of this church did and mothers echoes in eternity 60 years later. What you do in this life today with the life that God gave you and the purpose he put on your life and that name that he's called you will echo through eternity. What do you want your echo to look like? We sang that song, Echoes in My Soul. What will your echo of your life resound through eternity and eternity and eternity? Is it going to be a positive one? Is it going to be a beautiful sound in God's ears? Or is it going to be judgmental? Is it going to be critical? Is it going to be pulling down? What will your voice be? Only you can determine that voice. Nobody can do it for you. We are all responsible for how our voice echoes. It comes out of relationship with the Father. It comes out of relationship with the shepherd. Eating the soul food that we can grow, that we can flourish, that we can be what his purpose was. You know, the manual tells us how, to, how, how the TV works. You know, if you don't have that manual, it's really frustrating sometimes, isn't it? Really frustrating when you've got a new toy that you're trying to get working without the manual. You want to throw it across the room. But the manual goes, oh, I've got to press this, I've got to do that, I've got to do that. He's got the manual. He can help you be who you're supposed to be. Example I want to bring out here as we're getting near the end is I look at the life of the first followers of Jesus, the first disciples. They were young men and young women. The women provided finances. They supported what they were doing. These were young teenagers and early 20s type of people. And they spent three years with Jesus. They spent three years eating with him, drinking with him, listening to his teaching and watched how he lived and his mannerisms. They were, they were getting soul food for three years with Jesus before he was crucified. And then he rose on the third day. But they were just mostly fishermen, not really educated. And it says that after Jesus rose from the dead and went to heaven, they then passed on the message of his resurrection. And as they were preaching and as they were teaching, the Pharisees and the religious leaders said, how can this be? They're uneducated fishermen. They have no knowledge. They haven't been to university. They, they, they've never been to, to um, eloquence what do you call it? Elegance speaking classes. They were great orators that got up and, and preached the word, like, like me. They, <laughs> yeah, I'm a great orator. Stumbles over his words, yes. And my wife's laughing at me. That's why I was like, yeah, of course, yes. Ironic. God chooses the weak and the lowly that he would confound the wise. God chooses those that don't have it together that he would throw mud in the eye of the enemy and say, look what I did with that life. You wrote that person off, but I can do something wonderful for that life. That's what the shepherd does. And these young men and women, after three years with Jesus, the, the Pharisees perceived the reason they were changed and accelerated in their life is because they'd been with Jesus. They said, He's been, they've been with Jesus, that's why. How are their voices echoed through eternity? Well, we got this Bible full of the books Matthew, James, John, you got Paul, we got all the, we got, we got, their voices are echoed forever in the Bible. 
You go to Europe and you see these magnificent cathedrals that, that didn't take five years to build. They took generations and a hundred something years for some of these cathedrals because they were so magnificently built. And they're named after St. Paul and Mark and John and Peter. They're voices of these young men that spent time with Jesus, echo through eternity. And I want to encourage you today as I begin to close that your voice would echo through eternity with your family, with your, with your inheritance, with, with those people that come after you. They would look up the family tree and go, this is when it changed. This is when the curse stopped. This is when the alcoholism stopped. This is when those addictions stopped. From that person's life on, doctors and lawyers and prime ministers and presidents come forward, that your life would be an echo for good. God's heart's for you. Whatever you're going through, whatever is happening, whether it's a pruning season or it's a harvest season, he has soul food for you, soul food from spending time with him. Maybe it's, today's just the start where you need to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Shepherd, I'm hearing your voice today. I never thought I could, but I want to follow you. I don't know where it'll lead, but I want to follow you. See, he calls you by name and says, follow me. What did he do with the young disciples when they were fishing before he even met them? He walked by, called them by name, said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And we're talking about their name today. See, summer bodies are made in winter. The, the, what you do today in this winter season will determine your next season, will determine what your summer will look like. If we could just stand today, we're, we're coming closer to the end of the service. And I just want to pray a prayer. If we could stand, we could just close our eyes. We do this every week, and this is called a salvation prayer. The Bible says in Romans, it's a book in the New Testament, if you will openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. In other words, if your mouth confesses that you believe it, but more importantly, if your heart believes it, God's about our heart, then he says you'll be saved. And that saved indicates saved from something that's not good, and that is a saved from maybe present circumstances, delivered from present situations you're in. But also it's talking about salvation, eternity, that when you die, you would be raised from the dead and, and live forever. And I'm not going to get anyone out the front. With it. We're not putting hands up. We're not going to embarrass anyone. This is between you and God. It's not between you and me. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And then it's going to be a sentence. And then as a church together, we're just going to repeat it. And if that's you today, you've never made a decision to say, Jesus, I want to follow you or you did it a long time ago and you want to read to get dedicated, I want to just encourage you especially that you would mean it in your heart before him because he knows and that's what it's about. And at the end of the prayer, we're going to give a big shout as a church and a cheer because the Bible says that the angels rejoice in heaven when one person makes a decision to follow the shepherd. Let's close our eyes as this is a holy moment. And if we could repeat after me, Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sins. From this day forward, I will follow you. I believe you died and rose again from the dead. From this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, Follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepparton.